Hello, everyone. My name is Brennan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. And welcome to Mando Mondays on Page Turners. They were not my Star Wars podcast. So just so you know, our schedule will be, I will not do a podcast on Fridays. I will be using that time to watch the episode. I will watch it again on Saturday and then do my podcast on Monday reviewing it. And today, we review Chapter 11, The Heiress. Now, before we do, I need to say a few brief words about last week's episode. Um in regards to the child and the frog lady's ex. Now, you've seen, no doubt, a lot of people discussing this online. A lot of people feeling that that was an offensive bit of humor. I agree that it was in bad taste in poor taste of Baby Yoda eat the eggs and play it off as comedy. Because it's 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 the last of the spawn of the frog lady. You know, the last of her eggs. The last of her family line. And further, it's offensive to women who have dealt with infertility. I think that I do not believe the Casilla intended any harm. I just think it, it the jokes were, the joke was in poor taste. That being said, this week's episode, The Heiress, has a scene where the child is interacting with one of the hatched eggs and interacting in a nice way with the tadpole. I believe that in the child's limited understanding, he comes to realize the value of life and why he probably shouldn't eat those eggs. That being said, also, he is a child. He doesn't know better. He has no sense of morality. Now, we can, we can say that, yes, the episode acted like it was a joke. And I think the child... I don't think his sense of morality is very developed. But I believe in this episode of him playing with the tadpole and interacting with it gave him a different insight into realizing what these eggs are. Okay, that's all I got to say about that. So now we jump to this episode, The Heiress. Fantastic. This was a fantastic episode. This was so great on so many ways. Now, let's get the elephant out in the room first. Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan Kreese. Now, to those who have watched The Clone Wars and Rebels, this is huge. This is huge. 
this is the first time that an animated character is being brought to the big, well, small screen. The character is being brought from cartoon to live action, played by the same actress in both cases. Yes, Katie Sackhoff, who you may recognize as Starbuck from the new Battlestar Galactica, and by new, I mean the, the newer one. She was the voice of Bo-Katan on Star Wars The Clone Wars. And now she is playing Bo-Katan in live action. Now, I do not believe that every actor who voices the character will or should play the character in live action. However, before Katie Sackhoff was the voice of Bo-Katan, she was already well known in the acting world and has a fairly good resume. And so having her do the voice and then appear in live action makes sense because she's already an actress who's appeared in live action. Uh, I'm not going to give you the full backstory of the character. Suffice to say, she is the rightful ruler of the Mandalorians. Or at least of the planet Mandalore. The Darksaber belongs to her. That's why she's looking for it. Now, to make a long story short, Bo-Katan's sister was the ruler of Man the planet Mandalore. Bo-Katan did not agree with her sister's political views and was part of a splinter group called Death Watch. The Death Watch later teamed up with Darth Maul, or just Maul at that time, to take over the planet Mandalore. There was a lot of internal strife, and Bo-Katan eventually teamed up with the Jedi and the clones and the, and the Republic, I should say, to get to remove Darth Maul as the uh, power behind the throne on Mandalore. Long story, but suffice to say, Bo-Katan is one of the quote-unquote good guys. And the Darksaber belongs to her. Now, it's odd that I say good guys. Because in the Clone Wars and Rebels, she's one of the good guys. But I think that the Mandalorian may be dealing in some more nuanced layers to her character. She's a hero. But her desire to get the Darksaber back her desire to get all the other Mandalorians to agree with her kind of makes you wonder where this is going. She seems very uh, very hell-bent on her quest. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? We'll see. But the Darksaber belongs to her. It was given to her during the events of Star Wars Rebels. And her family, 
are the rightful rulers of Mandalore. <laughs> so, it's a lot there. I'm not going to go into it here. But I was so excited to see her on this episode. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break to hear about our sponsor. When we come back, we will continue discussing this episode. See you in a moment. Bye. Okay, we are back. I gotta say, seeing the frog couple reunite was a sweet moment. That really was a sweet, sweet moment. Um, that was just very surprisingly moving. I love this planet, Trask. Um, I like that when the Mando was flying in, we saw that this planet has continents. It's not just an ocean planet. Or an ocean moon, I should say. Trask has got more to it than that. And I loved the, 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 the port town that they were in. Oh, um... Ramshackle, it looked. And you have the Mon Calamari and the Quarren. Aliens from Return of the Jedi. You know, getting to see them is great. Uh, especially a lot of them. And really great looking. Um, some might be costumes. Some might be performance capture. You can't tell. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, by the way, that was disgusting chowder. Oh my gosh. But it made me laugh when you know, there's it was moving. And it, it, the, apparently, the Mandalorian is all about gross things Baby Yoda eats. So yeah, that's that octopus thing coming out of the chowder. And then of course we see this uh, the mouth of this thing called a mama core. Um, when the when the Mando is betrayed by the Quarren. Um, interesting there that so as the Mandalorian is wandering through the streets of this little dock town, we see a woman in a dark cloak. That's one of the Mandalorians. Her name is Cusca Reeves. We see her later in armor. Now, Cusca Reeves is played by Sasha Banks, the MMA wrestler. The MMA fighter. And now, I was confused. Because I had heard that Sasha Banks was going to be in it. But when the um, the list, like the cast list, uh, at the end of the episode, the credits, came up, it said um, Mercedes Renato. Mercedes Renato. And, I'm like, and I thought, oh, they're wrong about it being Sasha Banks. I forgot, Sasha Banks is her, is her, is her like, stage name. That's a wrestler. It's not a real name, so they didn't use that in the credits of this 
episode. So, little, uh, I like, I like seeing her. She had a nice little role. Um, she seemed to have a very commanding presence, even though she didn't say much. And I liked it. I think that my that I kept being drawn to her, not just because she's cute, because she is cute, but but I think there's a presence to her, and I hope we see more of her. Uh, apparently, Dank Ferric is our new Star Wars curse word from this this episode. So yeah, yet again, we get the Mandalorian being weirded out by Mandalorians taking off their helmets. Though, I love that we get to learn a little bit of difference in that the Mando is with the Children of the Watch, which are an extremist splinter group. Religious zealots, Bo-Katan calls them. This is cool because it explains why some Mandalorians take their helmets off and some don't. So that's kind of cool. I love the whole action scene with the Imperial Cruiser. Toward the end, and that's Titus Welliver as the captain. And uh, he has the perfect face. He has the absolute perfect face to be a Imperial. He has such a look at that lugubrious face. I love that. And so the whole action scene there at the end is fantastic. And the fact that Bo-Katan wants the Darksaber, but the Imperial Captain is so dedicated to duty that he would rather commit suicide than tell her where it is. You know, we see that it looks like Moth Gideon has a small fleet under his command. Because uh, they mention a fleet. And we don't know if Moth Gideon is serving a higher power or if this is his own Splinter Empire. I don't know. We may find out. And then, of course, we get the cherry on top. When Bo-Katan tells the Mando about Ahsoka. Where to find her on the city of Caledon, on the forest planet Corvus. We are going to get Ahsoka in this season. But my guess is it won't be next episode because that might be too easy. But maybe, maybe, I don't know. So that's really it. Um, there is a lot in this episode. And it's fantastic. I was just so happy with this episode. I think that I, as I said, I didn't like last week's episode. I love this one. Seeing Bo-Katan brought to live action is fantastic. Um, 
um, hearing about Ahsoka, learning more about the Moth Gideon's empire, learning more about the Mandalorians and the splinter groups in them. Because there are splinter groups left and right, believe you me, if you watch the Clone Wars, you will see that the Mandalorians seem to have a history of constantly splitting from each other. Which is probably the reason why Bo-Katan wants to get the Darksaber back. Because the Darksaber has always been a symbol of the rule. The ruler of Mandalore, because the guy who created the Darksaber, a Mandalorian named Tar Vizsla, used it to unify the clans of the Mandalorians. And become the Mandalore, which is the ruler of the Mandalorians. Um, and I think that without the Darksaber, the Mandalorians were very splintered. And I think that Bo-Katan hopes that if she gets the Darksaber back, you know, the symbol of the ruler of Mandalore, that maybe they can get all these groups, these splinter groups and sects to unite with each other. I don't know, but now we know a little bit more and that is fantastic. Great music in the episode as always from Ludwig Gorenson. I love this planet, Trask. This moon. It's so great. I love the fishing village. I just love the look of everything. This is just a wonderful episode and this is exactly I don't know if this is my favorite episode but it's definitely up there and this is exactly what we need and I really think it's interesting that in season one they were playing it safe with making references to deeper Star Wars material because I think in season one they were still experimenting to see will a live action Disney Plus show work and my goodness did it work and so now in season 2 with a bigger budget and now that they have more confidence I think Lucasfilm is much more confident about including tie-ins like Cobb Vanth in the Marshall in episode in chapter 9 you know, the beginning of season 2 is from the Star Wars Aftermath novels. Or Bo-Katan in this episode, the heiress. She is the heiress, by the way. That's who the title's referring to. Which went completely over my head when I saw the title. So anyhow. Um, but bringing Bo-Katan from the cartoons from Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, I I'm just so pleased that they're finally getting to that point. And they've demonstrated that you can do it in a way that doesn't confuse the audience. I think because we're seeing this from the Mando's point of view, he is kind of our stand-in as audience members. He represents us. We're seeing the story through him. So if he meets people like Kaldant, like Bo-Katan, like Ahsoka, 
and possibly Sabine and Ezra and others down the road. He doesn't know them. So it's introducing the audience who is unfamiliar with these characters to them, to these characters that many of us who are insane fans like myself know very well. So anyhow, seeing Bo-Katan, fantastic. So those are my thoughts on Chapter 11, The Heiress. My name is Brendan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. And thank you for tuning in to Mando Mondays on Page Turners They Were Not My Star Wars Podcast. May the Force be with you. <laughs>